Hello and welcome to this episode of The Symposium. Today we're joined by Harry. Hello. And we're going to have a freestyle discussion about autonomy. We're not going to make it academic. We're going to just jam around. All right then. Should I I should have brought a bass with me. Yeah, exactly. That's ex exactly <laughs> what An expression of my autonomy. Yeah. So the thing is, I want us to start with a scenario. I want to it, it's I want to read it out and ask you if you like it and if not why. All right. Okay. Shoot. Go and ahead. then we can talk a bit about the meaning of autonomy. I'm going to share with you one theory of autonomy, the hierarchical, and we can evaluate it. And then we can also talk about autonomy in politics and whether, you know, it's it is an ideal to or if it is to what extent, if it is not, why, things like that. And towards the end, I want to share with you a conceptual gimmick that many people do when they want to hijack the idea of autonomy and basically have completely paternalistic uh, tendencies. Mm. And they, they want to basically confuse the people. Okay, so let us start. I want you to imagine that someone wakes you up and orders you to go to breakfast. When you go to breakfast, you see a wonderful buffet. It has anything you want, anything that you like. Do you want right. to, what are your favorite dishes? I'm a, <laughs> I'm a very simple man. Yeah. Um, if it's a buffet, are we talking a breakfast buffet or? A breakfast buffet. A breakfast buffet. I'll probably just pile up a load of sausages, some bacon, some eggs and beans. That's, That's what you would do if you were left alone, but someone orders you to order something different. Okay. In, in our scenario. Okay, all right. Okay. So, you, didn't, you do not know exactly how much time you will need to eat it. Are you a fast eater or a slow eater? Uh, I eat as long as it takes me. You don't have as long as it takes you. You have exactly 10 minutes, you are told. I'll stuff it down then. <clears throat> Afterwards, you're ordered basically to leave to a kitchen. To leave the kitchen, okay? Mm -hmm. And there are all the places you could go. Where would you want to go? Where am I? You're, you're outside the kitchen. I'm outside the kitchen. What, I can go anywhere in the world? Where would you pick? Where would I, where would I pick? Um, I don't know. Uh, trying to think of somewhere nice that I like. Would you want to go to a video club? A and, video and club? And get a good movie to watch. I would, I'd probably want to just go to a park and go for a walk in nature or a forest or something like that. Or, or okay, climb someone up a hill. orders you not to go to a park and oh. instead go to a to a warehouse and do a particular job this, in that warehouse. This, this person who's ordering me to do things, does he have any particular authority or I don't know. ability to I don't access know. use of force that would mean that I, I have don't to know. obey we'll what see, he's we'll saying? We'll see, we'll see. So... At some point, you're ordered to work, and you do work, and then it's recreation time. All right. What would you do? Pick up a guitar, noodle around for a bit. No. I, I feel like I'm starting to see a pattern here. No, someone tells you, you you are not to play the guitar. You are to go with, let's say, John and Julia for, to the movies, to the cinema. And when you go there, John and Julia don't ask you what you want to see. Oh, okay. They tell you, we're going to watch that. Yeah. Meanwhile, important discussions take place about your life. Others decide who you should marry and when, what job you should do and for how long, and what policies should be enacted, and that will influence the society in which you live. Now, do you like this version of scenario of Harry or not? 
I mean, <clears throat> there are elements to it that I certainly dislike. I dislike the fact that literally every single decision that I could have made yeah. has been chosen instead for me. <clears throat> but there are all other elements of this, such as potentially going with friends or potentially friends to do something where you have certain obligations with other elements of your life with the people around you to maybe not do everything that you want to do all the time. But in this scenario, you've put me in a position where I have no choice over anything that I do. I'm just put into this position where I have to eat what I'm told and do what I'm told, um, which could work for some, uh, would not work for me. Um, and also, once again, this omnipotent person who seems to be telling me what I can and can't do. I'm curious as to whether he's actually able to back up his demands with force or not, because that's the primary thing that means that I'm not able to do what I want. Either social pressure or force are the two things that tend to remove people's autonomy from them, or not necessarily remove their autonomy, but socially pressure them into making decisions that they might not outside of a social situation. Okay, so what is it that you lack in this scenario? You well, lack... I like certain personal You said agency. you like choice, agency. Yeah, exactly. So the thing is, you said that, you know, it, it would work for some people, it wouldn't work for you. I agree that it wouldn't work for you, but do you want to say why? Why I wouldn't... Why it wouldn't work for me? Well, because... And uh, I'm sure there might be some people in the comments who can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I believe that I'm intelligent enough to be able to make good decisions for myself on a choice-to-choice -choice basis. I am autonomous enough within myself and I have enough personal agency. I have the kind of mind that would allow me to make good decisions consistently on a day-to-day -day basis. If I'm going to go, to go for breakfast, I'm going to be putting myself in a situation where I'm not going to choose food that is bad for me and I'm not going to overindulge and become a glutton. If I'm going to the cinema with friends, I'm going to recommend the film perhaps that we can all enjoy yeah. rather than just something that I will enjoy because obviously, once again, if I'm there with friends, there are social obligations that I have to take. Some people are of the mind, I would, I would argue, where they would just... All-you-can-eat buffet, they would Homer Simpson it, they would just take as much as possible, eat as much as possible, stuff their faces. There are people who, if you went to the cinema with them, would demand that you watch only what they want to watch. Um, and these people, I do believe, are the sorts who would require some kind of social pressure yeah. to encourage them to make the right decisions. So for instance, if they're a glutton, they get really fat. They should have people point out, you're a disgusting fatty, lose some weight. Okay, so... You said that you are an intelligent person who can choose for yourself. Yes. Yeah? Okay. Uh, just for the record, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm thank, not thank going. You. If I'm, you're going to disagree with me there, no, <laughs> this I, conversation would take a, sh a sharp left turn. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, that's not my what I want to show with this. You say that you know you you are you have intelligence and you can make intelligent choices. The thing is, though, what if? the people who order you around and boss you around in the scenario told you, well, prove it. We think that we know what's best for you. That's the paternalistic way of governance. So the thing is, how do you go about proving to them that you can make intelligent choices? They have the power 
and let's say it's not it's not social pressure. Let's take mm. the scenario where they do have the power. They have the power, and basically they place you in a position where you have to prove why you can make choices instead of them proving to you that you cannot. But they could they they could also use power. And power is an underlying element in most discussion, especially in public discussion. And they would say, well, no, actually, we disagree with your values, which means that you're not uh, mature enough and uh, you cannot actually make decisions for yourself. Well, if we were to take this outside of the realm of the abstract and put it into more concrete terms, yeah. as I'm sure this is all supposed to be relating to in the first place. Well, the people in power at the moment who believe that they should be making decisions for the rest of us and believe that they are the best position to make decisions and set up laws and uh, and all that for people are demonstrably unfit to be in the positions that they are in because their values are, as far as I'm concerned, completely monstrous. They want to encourage a lifestyle of hedonism for the majority of people. They want to do silly things like open borders, which encourages both cultural destruction and economic destruction. And just generally speaking, they're bad people. And I would prove to them that I am intelligent by one, I could take, I could blaspheme against Josh's wishes and take an IQ test to prove that I have a high enough IQ to be an independent and autonomous person. Or two, I could demonstrate to them that the choices that I have made in my life have led me to lead a good and successful life. By what metric? It would have to be by my own because that would be relatively subjective. You know, some people consider having a wife, having a family, all that sort of stuff to be a metric for a good life lived. Yeah. Other people would consider the amount of drugs that you've taken, the amount of women that you've slept with, the amount of men you've slept with, all of these different things. Um, to be the pure metric for living a good life. And I would disagree with that. Okay, so would you say that the people who are governing the country and many other Western countries are basically paternalists in disguise because they seem to be adopting several plans about how to restructure society and its economy? And these are usually top-down implemented plans or they are plans that whose implementation would require a top-down approach. And it seems to me that they are using language that frequently appeals to freedom and liberation, but actually they neglect that freedom is supposed to be a bottom-up phenomenon. It's supposed to be, when, especially when we're talking about society, mm. it's a grassroots thing. It's not that people are free because the government permits them to be, it's that people are free and the government should have us, should create a sort of framework to in order to solve some of the problems and tensions that free uh, arise within a free people. Well, I, I think practical reality has shown us that within a liberal democracy that it is top-down. At the end yeah. of the day, you will have elected officials and then a humongous bureaucracy of unelected officials who will be the ones in charge of making the laws, enforcing the laws, deciding what values need to be um, put in the public eye. Because when I say unelected bureaucrats and officials like that, I'm also including the media class who are in cahoots with everybody else. So the media class decide what values to put on television that will influence 
the masses and influence public opinion. It may not influence everybody and it won't influence everybody to the same extent or as effectively, but it will influence a critical mass of people that will allow you to say, sweep elections. Yeah. Uh, for, for instance. And I would also say that it's not necessarily paternalistic, the okay. element of the government that we experience in the West today. I would actually argue that an element of it is maternalistic because the values that are being put forward um, are incredibly feminine. It's all yeah. about harm reduction, making sure everybody lives as nice and comfortable a life as possible. It's all about making sure that feelings aren't hurt. Hence, we have hate speech laws. Hence, we have laws which are laws and values that are encouraging hedonism because while a responsible mother would work in tandem with a father to give a child a life that's a good uh, that's a good life where you don't overindulge too much um i think the values that are being put forward are i mean explicitly going yeah. against any sort of masculine virtues this is why we have the idea of toxic masculinity is so prevalent these days i agree with you but you would still say that this is still a family of notions that are closely aligned with paternalism and have to do with offending people against It's essentially autonomy. using a, a paternalistic It's system, paternalistic. It's whether mother knows best coercion. or father knows best. Someone knows best. Yes. And it's someone, not you. Someone knows that, best. That's the element of that view. Someone knows best in, in their eyes. Uh, I, I believe somebody knows best. I don't believe it's them. I don't believe it's the governing class yeah. who knows best. I believe that they know what will keep them in power. And I believe that they know that if you encourage people to indulge and live hedonistic lifestyles, that makes them much easier to control. And if you get everybody addicted to pornography, if you get them addicted to drugs, if you get them addicted to drinking, once again, that's another way to keep them in control. If you have people in control, they will vote for you because they will be easier to manipulate using media signaling, and therefore you can maintain your power. Yes. So the thing is, I want to ask you whether you mentioned the term liberal democracy. And here, I'm, I'm not making the argument that there are no problems with liberalism and there are no problems with democracy. I very frequently think that people who vote make mistakes. I mm. don't think that just because people vote something, therefore it's, it's right. I, I think people regularly vote uh, in a bad way. Mm. Okay? Not always, but... It usually, I think that it usually happens, I think. But what I, want to, what I want to point out is whether it is actually a liberal democracy. Now, in, this, in the contemporary sense of liberalism, yes, it is a liberal state. Mm. The question is whether the liberal state of, West, of Western societies nowadays is actually a state that promotes freedom or not. I argue that it does not. Let's keep that aside for a bit. And the other question is whether, you know, you would say that if there is a sort of manipulation of of the people, as you said, mm. whether this is actually a form of violation of autonomy. Well, first of all, on the grounds of liberal... So ju just, to, just to contextualize a bit my mm -hmm. point, I want to say that without saying that there are no... There are no problems with liberalism or that there are no problems with democracy. I don't think that liberal democracy is the best characterization of the states that we have now in the Western world. 
That that's where I'm getting at. Say, and, I, I would agree. Okay. And what what why I want to say this is because it seems to me that they very frequently use language that is distorted. And I think that this is an element of propaganda there. It's uh you know distort the people the people's perception of the truth because the the people always represent a form of power. If it's if it's uh, if the people are not organized, then it's easy to play divide and conquer with the people, with society. As you said, if you if you ad have a massive amount of population addicted, for instance, in drugs, their perception and their intellectual capacities are frequently messed up, and they cannot function as autonomous beings. And they go on, you know, on a more, and they become dependents of the state. And that's the dream of tyrants. They want a, a poor population that is dependent on handouts I, and links the tyrants' maintain, maintenance of power with their survival. It's, I mean, it's um, been said before, but the sort of state that we live in right now, the security surveillance state, mm. um, has a level of intrusion into people's everyday lives that Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, any of them would have killed for. This is the most under, under, um, this is the most- Underappreciated. No, 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 not underappreciated. Uh, this is the most under surveillance any population really has ever been at any time. And people mm -hmm. say, well, it's not the same as those. And I agree, it's not the same as those because what those states were, were what you could call a, a sort of hard state. They used force they use overt force and coercion to manipulate the population, whereas ours uses a form of soft force. They use the social reinforcement. They use social pressure. They use humiliation. And then if they really do get pushed to the end of the line, then they will use force and you'll be like Count Dankula getting the police knocking on your door yeah. over a simple joke, Just which more than anything was to reinforce to everybody around him, these are the jokes that you do not make anymore. This is the one guy who is willing to still make these kinds of jokes. We don't do that anymore. On the subject of liberal democracy, I agree that perhaps characterizing it as liberal is not the most correct way to term it because um i've been reading i've mentioned before paul gottfried recently he's uh, done some excellent research on all of this and he has an excellent way of characterizing it that w what we live in would not necessarily be uh, liberal democracy because he himself despite being a member of the uh, right wing what i would call the old right or the true right uh, he says that if his politics were to be put on a much larger spectrum than just that of the second half of the 20th century, he would consider himself a 19th century liberal. So that just goes to show over time how these things have shifted. How he describes the <clears throat> West currently, is that, especially Europe and America, is it wouldn't necessarily be liberal. It would be classified as an anti-fascist state. And what he means by that is the regime we live under is dedicated to promoting values that it sees as the, as the exact opposite of those that fascism put forward. Now, fascism is its own thing, and I'm not a supporter of it. It's far too secular for me. I'm not a big fan of authoritarian states, but the value some of the values that it did put forward were an es uh, essence of masculinity, vitalism in a Nietzschean sense, the idea of loving your nation, being part of a people. So our states right now are dedicated to exactly the opposite of those things. Where it was once masculine, it's feminine. Where it was once vitalistic, it's idealistic. Where it was once about the nation, it's about globalism. Where it was once about the people, it's about universalism. Okay, 
I want you to keep that and we'll tie this with uh, something in the end uh, I want to talk about the gimmick I'm saying because it's it's re it's really relevant and to that okay yep excellent so another thing I want us to talk about is the meaning of autonomy and why why I'm saying this it's because for me the thing is that nowadays many of the problems that we face are not intellectual I I think that this may be a bit controversial but for me there is a distinction to be drawn between the theory and the practice. Now, okay, this may may raise some questions and may may have you worried a bit, but there is such a thing as people. Sorry, who sorry, sorry, sorry. Before I don't want to cut you off here, um, I just want to correct myself because I said yeah. the uh, what what instead of uh, vitalism, it's idealism. That was wrong. Uh, I, I chose the wrong word for that. I'd say it's nihilistic. We okay. live in a very nihilistic state. We're completely secular. No idea of anything beyond life after death. No transit. No transcendence. So live for the day because hey, you'll be dead tomorrow anyway. That's that's a ne a very negative aspect of modernity. I think I don't think nihilism is. is the uh, manifests only in modern times. No, of but, course not. But I think that this is a feature of modernity that we talked with Thomas on the previous symposium. I mean, for for instance, my own experiences talking to people my own age, it is quite saddening to me that I speak to them and they do only have a very material view of the world yeah. and they only have a view of the world as something that you can see and touch but you can't transcend above. There are no values that they really hold themselves to outside of, as I mentioned, the hedonistic elements of sex, drugs and money, whereas you should be able to live for more than that. But because of the fact that there's no idea of a higher power or higher existence or higher values to hold yourself accountable to there's nothing really to hold them to particular standards and that's one of the reasons i do see autonomy as being something that's kind of a difficult subject these days because the values that people hold are values that have been uh, pushed upon them from a top down yeah. In a top-down system, from the media that they consume, from the books that they read, yeah. some people say that if you really want to get an idea of values, you should really start to read books that were published before 1945. If you want a better idea of the world and how it works, before 1945, before the end of World War II, people were a lot less dogmatic in their pushing of these anti-fascist values. But there is a there are further still great element books that, that have been released they, after that. Of course, but there is a further element with respect to morality that uh, some moral dogmatism in the in the traditional sense of dogmatism, in the idea that you can know the truth. That's the traditional notion of dogmatism. I think some moral dogmatism is precisely what is lacking in modernity. No, that I do, I, I we do have, think... We have people who are... The thing is, for me, it's not that people wake up and say... No, I'm going to pursue materialism because it is valuable. I think that they are drawn towards materialism because they don't see values. And because they have difficulty with and with saying no, for instance, the family is a valuable institution. The family, for instance, a good family, a good functioning family, because there are terrible families. A good functioning family is part of the good life. Uh, friendship is part of the good life. They don't see it this way, and they are drawn in a in a more cynical or nihilistic mentality, not bit due to ethical reflection, but as a default position of a society with n no effective moral pressure, as you said. Now you're not allowed to tell someone, well, you're you're unhappy with yourself, 
do something. You're not allowed <laughs> to tell that. Anymore. You're not allowed to hold them to pre yes. uh, pre 1945 values. <laughs> I, even even though obviously the, after that's a big category. Yeah, but, you know, after nineteen forty five, people still hold held all these values. It's mainly yeah. in the past uh, twenty to thirty years. We should years. have a, a mo movement, you know, thumbs up for pre nineteen forty five values. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I agree with what you're saying there because no 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 actually what I'm saying is um, I do think people still have values and people yeah. still have moral standards that they hold each other to. It's just that these moral standards have been completely inverted. Yeah. So before you see a fat person walking down the street, for instance, a morbidly obese person, and you think that person is suffering, it is crueler for me to let them suffer than it is for me to uh, lie to them and let them feel better. It's actually, yeah. is it, well, then it would, it's crueler for me to lie to them so that they feel better about themselves than it is for me to be honest and maybe make them feel bad right now. Now that's been completely inverted. You see a fat person walking down the street. Yas, queen, you're so beautiful. Look at how well you hold it. Oh my God, you're such an icon. You're, um, you're All of these random com uh, compliments that mean nothing that you have to throw out, you have to throw deference to these people despite the fact that they are killing themselves. Or if you said, you need, you, hey fatty, go on a diet, that's the most evil thing that you can do these days. If you were to point out anything regarding differences between people of different racial categories, for instance, that's the most evil thing that you can do, um, even more so than murder, because now um, the moral standard that we hold people to is that if you, for instance, and I wouldn't do this myself, but if you say the N-word in front of a black person, then that's just an invitation <clears throat> to violence on their part. I'm not saying that you should do that, but I'm saying that you shouldn't just invite violence through words in the first place, and the moral standard shouldn't be you offend some somebody of a particular race and they have a license to assault you. It's very strange, the values that we have right now. Now, let me go back a bit to the point I made about theory and practice. Yes. Okay? So, the thing is, there was a person named Socrates who thought that people always act according to their better judgment. I disagree, I disagree. with that. Okay? Now, if you disagree with that, you are committed to the view that people may think something and act differently. So, there is a distinction between your beliefs about what is the best thing to do or your ideals and what you're doing. Sometimes you can act contrary to your ideals. It's not just that all forms of uh, wrong action are forms of ignorance. Sometimes you, you may know what you're doing, but still you're still doing it. That's a non-intellectualist view that I embrace. So the thing is that for me, there should be... When we are talking about social phenomena and social actions, or sometimes the lack of social actions, the lack of political action with respect to some views, it's not necessarily a problem of the values that are allegedly associated with the state or the society we live in. So for instance, for me, there is there are forms of classical liberal liberalism that are in favor of unrestricted freedom of movement. But there are other versions that are not. So for me, when we are saying that there are problems with mass immigration and the lack of control of the borders, that's not necessarily a problem of classical liberalism. It's a problem of policy. And the, for me, the best reaction is to basically 
close the borders. Now, <laughs> if we don't close the borders and instead we start saying, no, it's an intellectual problem. Let's tear, tear apart the entire fabric of the values of the modern world because we somehow want to find another theory that is going to mechanically and automatically make people act differently on the political level. It seems to me that this is a form of divide and conquer that uh, uh, people are assaulted with. This is a sort of lack of coordination that is sometimes imposed intentionally or sometimes it is, it is uh, performed by the people unintentionally. So for me, when we're talking about this, I, I, I have a tendency, maybe, maybe you think you have already understood it by now, but I have a tendency of wanting to defend traditional, uh, let's say, values that are associated with the Anglosphere. Mm-hmm. And they have to do with classical liberalism. And classical liberalism is a major part of the English tradition in the last centuries. W- w- do you think that this is unfair? Well, I, mean, in, I mean, the 19th century, certainly. Yeah. So the thing is that for me, this is worth defending and we shouldn't just be rushing into rejecting it because we think that there are some social ills when we can have a much more surgical hit approach with respect to our understanding of what is wrong and how to fix it. To watch the full video, please become a premium member at lotuseaters.com.